the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Visit Pittsburgh, the mutilation capital of the world. Yeah, being the steel capital of the world was fun there while it lasted, but, you know, that went away a long time ago. But imagine the bragging rights you could have if you lived in the city where everybody brings their kids to be mutilated. Could happen. A Democrat city councilwoman from Greenfield, uh, Barb Warwick, is going to introduce legislation that will make Pittsburgh a, quote, sanctuary city for gender-affirming care, a place where people who live in states where it's not considered a good thing or legal anymore, by the way, to mutilate the bodies of kids can come and have it done legally right here in Pittsburgh. Here's what uh, Councilwoman Warwick told the Tribune Review. This is a quote. If certain gender-affirming care services ever became illegal nationwide or in the Commonwealth, we would want our, our law enforcement agencies to deprioritize those types of crimes. In other words, Pittsburgh would be a really good place to come for people who want to break the law while they're mutilating their kids. Maria Montano, who is a transgender and a spokesperson for Mayor Ed Ganey, thinks it's a great idea. So while most of the countries in Europe and 20 states uh, finally woke up and passed laws against mutilating kids, Pittsburgh wants to become known for it. Maybe the Pirates could have mutilation night at PNC Park. You know, invite all the kiddies who are in town to be mutilated to come out to the ball game. It'll be fun for the whole family. Meanwhile, in our second half hour tonight, we're going to have Heritage Foundation legal fellow Sarah Partial Perry here to talk about how the courts are beginning to rule against gender-affirming <clears throat> mutilation for minors. And when we come back, have you seen the speculation about how those fires in Maui may have started? Lasers from the sky? Colonel John Mills, who used to work in cybersecurity for the Defense Department, will be here to talk about how that could have happened or could happen. Stick around. Well, there doesn't seem to be any doubt that there was a, a massive uh, government screw-up in Maui from local up to state and all the way to federal uh, during and af- be- before, during, and after the fire there. There's still a lot of questions out there about what caused the fire or fires, and because of a lack of transparency, there are uh, a lot of, of course, conspiracy theories. One of them if, is that it was started by lasers shot from the sky. Well, Colonel John Mills worked in cybersecurity at the Defense Department. He's the author of The Nation Will Follow, First-Hand Experiences, Fighting the Deep State and the Action Plan for the American Citizen, and he joins us now. John, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, John. Thank you. Always an honor to be on the show. Happy to be back. Yeah, we had you on to talk about your book, and then uh, I see this popped up here, so you're a good man to talk to about this. What What is the... I, I guess it's the DACI, D-A-Q-1 dash, D-A-Q-I dash one satellite. And why should it be part of this discussion about the fires in Maui? 
Well, you mentioned the term uh, lack of transparency, and it's very important. The DACI-1 is a Chinese, uh, it's described as a uh, uh, weather satellite. It's for weather research, weather observation. Um, and in the world of cloak and dagger, that's always, you know, oh, we've got to have a cover story. And have, being a weather platform, that was that was our story with the original U-2 when we were flying it over uh, the Soviet Union until we shot it down. Mm-hmm. That so, was a weather, weather uh, plane, yeah. Yeah, so something is up here. These are reasonable questions. It was launched last year. It has 6,000 pounds of space to put things. Its launch mass is 6,000 pounds. In today's environment, 6,000 pounds is a lot to play with. Now, it has one declared laser already, a LIDAR, uh, for, you know, that's for uh, imaging and distance uh, and, and research, supposedly, not a directed energy weapon, but still kind of curious. Uh, light detection and ranging is interesting, but, uh, you know, what else do they have on there? We don't know. We don't know. And it, it had, it is apparently was using the announced LIDAR on, on, on the, on the satellite, uh, in something of a coordination with NASA earlier this year for supposedly, uh, pollution research over, uh, Hawaii, uh, over Hawaii, which was the source of a lot of, con- you know, uh, uh, stories about light lasers seen over Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So, but what else does it have? Does it have a uh, uh, some kind of directed energy weapon? I mean, you don't. Everybody thinks you need a, a super huge uh, payload in weight and power. Uh, no, actually, I was just looking at a uh, at a directed energy weapon today. It was two kilowatts. I'm not going to say name the, the vendor who was producing it, but it's only two kilowatts and it's 200 pounds, okay? You can easily, and it easily with the size and shape given, you can easily fit that into a satellite and would combust at 500, it begins to combust at 500 degrees and dry underbrush will begin to combust under that. Uh, too many coincidences and there's... Steve Bannon says there are no coincidences. Yeah. Something is up. We need transparency. We were attacked savagely for daring to suggest that Wuhan was the source of the uh, the virus. Yep. And now, three years after weaponization and being silenced and censored, now the intelligence community is saying, yeah, it likely was a lab leak out of Wuhan. Now let's go to the next story. So... <laughs> Come on, this is absolutely reasonable to question. The NASA's data sheet on the uh, DACI one essentially is bereft of uh, bereft of uh, of any details, any details, and they don't even know they don't even know what the launch size is. They don't know what the payload is. They just have taken the Chinese word and says it's a weather it's a weather satellite, weather research satellite. So the oh, so you know, the, the satellite the, the DACI one satellite is a Chinese satellite. Yeah, launched last year in 2022. Yeah, um, and so um, you mentioned in your at your Substack uh, that the Chinese announced a few days before the fire that they had had a breakthrough with their laser weaponry. What was that all about? Yeah, isn't that interesting? It was in the South China Morning Post, and I go, well, just before the fire occurred in Maui. 
they're announcing this big breakthrough uh, in laser technology, especially in the cooling component, so you don't melt down the platform, uh, I mean, the, 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 the actual laser assembly itself, or the surrounding casing and the surrounding vehicle. Uh, so that's kind of important. And it's like, well, this is curious. So they've announced a huge breakthrough, and then next thing you know, we got fired in, in Maui also. And remember, this is not the – we got forest fires raging in Washington State, in British Columbia, in Canada, right above Washington State, uh, in uh, Quebec, uh, 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 in Canada, in the eastern part of Canada, even even in uh, Greece now. You know what – you know – just a few mischievous blasts from any kind of a laser that can generate 500 degrees uh, or better. And again, underbrush can combust it lower than that. Um, you're off to the races. So, you know, we need, we need, this is a reasonable person's question. And as the intelligence community is supposed to be doing their intelligence community assessments, um, this is absolutely should be on the table and reviewed. We don't have perfect. We don't have perfect situational awareness of who has what in space. We don't. It's just like with the Chinese balloon. Everybody says, "Well, don't we have radar that covers everything?" No, we don't. We go broke building all the radars to give us perfect radar coverage. So uh, there are always gaps in scenes, and the Chinese seem to be constantly finding them. So we don't know uh, definitively. In our public statements, we don't know what was on this satellite, the Dataki one, other than a LIDAR, which is not supposed to be a directed energy weapon. But who knows? Did they play with the LIDAR? Did they add a second laser that is more destructive? destructive? Can it generate that heat? Uh, so, yeah, and I also cite uh, you know, several technical, you know, a, a big technical report from the 90s on uh, space-based lasers. It gives gives a lot of the technical details, but it's totally within the world of the possible. Should be, or the is this, the Chinese are already, already killing 10,000 a month through fentanyl that they're making 100% mm-hmm. in northern Mexico. You know, causing a few forest fires is not going to be a big deal to them. Well, you worked in this business, um, um, John, and, and um, so you know how, you know, you know how this, how things go there in the State Department and the Defense Department. You say this should be on the table. What are the chances that it is on the table, but we're not going to hear about it? Well, I mean, in the behind-the-closed-doors intelligence meetings, top-secret meetings, of course we're not going to hear about that, but yeah. we should. Uh, we, there should be indicators, and the, this, the current occupants of the White House seem incapable of dealing with China it's like, you know, uh, when China does a con- has a, a cyber attack that rips off information from America or disrupts an American government or private sector network, uh, the, the Obama-Biden team always cowers in their corner and says, well, if they hit us in cyber, we can only hit back in cyber. And if we do that, we're just going to cause, you know, we're going to create more cyber incidents, the same attitude that if we... They had with the war on terror. If we hit back, if they, if terrorist does something, we hit them back. There's only going to be more terrorism. I mean, this is the crazy ideology of this, of this uh, occupant of the White House. Is just this, you know, Trump and Navarro knew how to punch back, and they said, okay, you're going to play these games in cyber China. Guess what? We're going to cut off your access to the, the Western financial markets. That hurts, and they stop it. Mm-hmm. You know, they, the Biden team doesn't seem to understand this. Uh, either they don't want to, or they can't understand this. 
Well, how might and, uh, how might Hunter Biden's friendly relations with the Chinese be a factor? Could it? Could it? I think, is that I think a, is that crazy to think that it might be? No, not at all. I mean, at this point in time, we have courtroom level evidence that a, a small number of members of Congress have seen between the ten twenty threes from FBI and the suspicious activity reports from uh, Treasury. We had we had these are courtroom level artifacts that you know most mere mortals would be de debanked after one SAR one suspicious activity report. There's over a hundred, so there there's great evidence that Hunter and his dad were taking money. And we have we have sworn testimony from multiple personalities: Shapley Ziegler from IRS, Devin Archer. And it's like, uh, you know, it's time for impeachment proceedings because we're not getting transparency and truth on this. And yes, it looks like it was not only Burisma, but China that's now documented in these courtroom level artifacts. So, yeah, the answer is absolutely. This this looks like uh, somebody who's been bought off and is not taking action because they've been bought off and don't want that exposed. So what you're saying, and we're talking to... Uh to Colonel retired uh, John Mills, he's the author of "The Nation Will Follow: Firsthand Experiences Fighting the Deep State and the Action Plan for the American Citizen." Uh, let's just real quick before I ask you this next question, uh, just run down your experience in the Defense Department, cybersecurity, and how long you were involved in that. Well, yeah, you know, thirty-five plus years of national security experience, time at the White House. Uh, in the National Security Council, end of uh, Bush, beginning of Obama, within the cyber world, brought in in 2007 by uh, my NSA boss, who uh, said, John, we need you to run the uh, the new cyber, the new the DOD lead on this new cyber initiative. So I, I was working these for, for a number of years, but not just, just the cyber, a number of sensitive activities for a number of years. And crazy things happen. And... And, you know, the, they they want to just call everybody a conspiracy, you know, the mockingbird uh, conspiracy theorist. It's like, no, after Wuhan, uh, NIH lied, Fauci lied, uh, the U.S. government lied. They lied about the effectiveness of the personal protection equipment, the masks. And now we're supposed to accept them. You know, now they lied about the balloon. They said at the first, you know, there was no balloon, a uh, mm-hmm. tiny spy balloon. They, they, they lied about the Chinese being in Cuba and said, Oh, at first, Oh no, no, that's not true. And then they, then they went through and said, uh, 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 and said, uh, Oh yeah, we, you know, it's really Trump's fault. Um, so they, they've lied about everything and then they get, Oh, you guys don't, uh, you don't believe what we tell you. Well, uh, they have a pretty good track record of lying. So, uh, yeah, I, I, so the question I was going to ask you was, um, as you sit there right now and knowing what you know, and I don't know how much you know more than the, the general public knows, uh, but uh, would you, if, if these fires were started by lasers from the sky, and not just in Maui, but these other fires uh, in Quebec and Washington State and other places, um, what there there are people out there, the real conspiracy theorists, are saying that it was the U.S. that started them on purpose. Um, would if you were to start looking, would you be looking at the Chinese or the U.S. Be, to be more likely to be involved in doing this stuff? Well, I'd be looking for truth, and I've sat on a number of intel community assessments and national intelligence estimates. These are the highest level 
uh, assessments of, of hard issues, and I've been on these groups before, I want truth. First mm-hmm. of all, I want truth. And it doesn't matter where it goes or the truth leads us. Um, I think it's I think it's less likely that, it, that America did that to themselves, but uh, these are crazy times. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, I think uh, my first gut instinct and reaction is uh, listen, they're killing ten thousand Americans a month through fentanyl, which is one hundred percent from China. Um, they're sending a pair of military age males across the border. You got Chinese nationals involved in legal and illegal cannabis growing. They seem to be gravitating toward that for some reason. Um, you got Chinese spy balloons. You got Chinese spy base in Cuba. You got Chinese spy base in the Bahamas and the Gulf oil platforms. You got Chinese all over the Panama Canal. These are what call, are called advanced force operations, preparation for conflict. Now they want to beat us without resorting to bombs and missile mm-hmm. missiles if they can if they can uh, uh you know collapse our country that's uh you know through these other means that that's what they want to do because they don't want to yet take us on militarily but you know i don't know what more evidence we need at this point in time and uh the, the space-based uh satellite you just do a burn for a few seconds with that, yeah, with those satellite, boom, you're off to the races. You get 500 degrees or higher, you're, you're starting to combust solid wood. Uh, less than that, you're starting to combust uh, uh, underbrush. So I, I, I would trend more toward, uh, a, there's so many other Chinese advanced force and spy operations going on, it's hard to keep track of them all. Well, and, in your uh, book, you say, I, you say that the war against the deep state is bigger than the Cold War, bigger than the war on terror. So uh, would you be shocked to find out that there is a deep state connection somehow to all this? Whether it's China actually doing it or not, is there a deep state connection somehow? I've got about a minute and a half left here. I, well, I think, I think if nothing else, uh, the government uh, not being truthful and not sharing complete information is a, is a deep state action. So yes, the deep state is involved in this. And so we've identified, and again, uh, you know, courtroom level artifacts that link Hunter and his dad mm-hmm. to foreign payments. Um, we've never had a situation like this in post World War II America. I mean, this is a, got an absolute out of control federal government that is weaponized against the American citizens. So yes, even if they're just lying and not being truthful about the possibility of a Chinese satellite with a laser. Uh, that's still a deep state action. So, yes, the deep state is involved in this. And I got 30 seconds. You can tell people what they should do about it. Get involved in your county. The deep state is built upon the shoulders, upon dirty counties and cities across America, the 3,300 counties and county equivalent. So get involved. In this coming 24 election, it's all about Maricopa in uh, Arizona, Fulton in Georgia, and Philadelphia in Pennsylvania. So, citizens, it's on us. Nobody's going to save us. There's no no cavalry that's going to going to come swooping in to save us. It's you got to get involved and dominate the election process, school boards, yep. count, county councils. Well. Um, everything we'll have you back on again i'm sure uh appreciate you coming on good luck with the book thank you john okay
Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Take care. That's Colonel John Mills. One more time, the book, uh, it's called The Nation Will Follow, Firsthand Experiences Fighting the Deep State and the Action Plan for the American Citizen. I'll be right back. Well, two stories kind of uh, converged today. I saw a story from Sarah Parshall Perry uh, at the Daily Signal, and I was I was going to try to get her to come on the show. Uh, she wrote about how the courts are upholding bans on gender-affirming care. And then uh, this afternoon I was made aware of a story about Pittsburgh wanting to become a sanctuary city for people avoiding states that don't allow gender-affirming care for minors. Sarah joins us now. Sarah, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So before I get to what you're writing about, about how the uh, this seems to be, a, I guess, maybe a, a trend where courts are beginning to um, go against, or, or, or I'm, I guess I should say standing up to the, for these bans, upholding them, uh, I'm going to read you a quote that I read in the opening of my show, uh, and this is from a woman named Barb Warwick. She's a Democrat city councilman in Pittsburgh from Greenfield here in the city. And uh, she's going to introduce legislation that's going to make Pittsburgh what she says will be a, quote-unquote, sanctuary city for gender-affirming care. And this is what she wrote. I'd like to get your legal... And, and by the way, Sarah is a uh, uh, senior legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation. Uh, so here's what here's what she said. She was quoted in the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. Uh, if certain gender-affirming care services ever become illegal nationwide or in the Commonwealth, we would want our law enforcement agencies to deprioritize those types of crimes. Uh, what do you make of that? And she wants and she wants to have this be a, a place. Well, she you know I read it to you. She wants it to be a sanctuary city. And and what do you think about her? What she says there about deprioritizing those types of crimes. You know, it's very interesting. This is part and parcel of a trend that we are seeing nationwide to develop these types of sanctuary areas for states that have bans on a lot of this, quote, gender-affirming care for minor individuals. Now, we've seen 20-plus states enact these bans coast-to-coast. They are doing them in view of science, parental rights, best practices, the need for therapy, and the increase of over 4,400% in the past 10 years of minors, adolescents, identifying as gender dysphoric. This is part of a social contagion, and these states are desperate. These voters are desperate who elected these legislators to slow the roll on what has become an absolutely catastrophic trend in the culture right now, which is sending kids through the trans pipeline. For Philadelphia to act as though it has essentially the wherewithal and the legal standing not only to override the duly enacted state laws of another jurisdiction, but also to override parental rights, which is essentially tantamount to kidnapping, I find unconscionable. I believe it's simply a matter of time before, if any action is taken on a policy like this, we'll see a lawsuit like we did out in Washington State, which has also uh, enacted its own sanctuary law that's been now, it's been sued by America First Legal to essentially block the state-sanctioned kidnapping bill that allows these states, like Washington, to hide kids 
seeking gender transition from their parents. There is a very good legal standing on the part of the law firms and the clients who bring these lawsuits. It is not only unconstitutional, it's a bad matter of policy. And I think it's just going to be a matter of time before Philadelphia, too, has to pay the piper. Well, this this, is, this woman in Pittsburgh is... Um uh, this this councilwoman is bragging about it, saying, "Okay, they can pass whatever laws they want, but when when they come here, we're going to see to it that uh, we make it as tough as possible for the for the uh, law enforcement uh, agencies to uh, catch them." She's bragging about it. Yes. She sure is. And I will say that that has been the threat in a number of these circumstances. We've seen this in other cultural issue contexts. For example, the context of abortion. Remember post-Dobbs when a lot of these um, trigger laws jumped into place after Roe versus Wade was overturned and the court rightly recognized that this wasn't an issue for the judiciary. It was an issue for the people through their elected representatives. And so a lot of these laws came into play, whether they were gestational limits, pain-capable acts, what have you. Ultimately, in a lot of these blue states, we've seen government bureaucrats, government enforcers, law enforcement agents say, well, we're just going to fail to refuse to enact them. This is presenting a very complicated legal environment. It's going to require some creative thinking. But long story short, the process of whether or not this individual is within her right to be able to stand down from official duties and from the official duties of organizations of the other bureaucrats who are tasked with enforcing laws is a dereliction of duty that in and of itself present the foundation for a legal challenge. Well, um, the problem they have here, Sarah, is that this uh, city and, and uh, county, actually, Allegheny County pretty much, uh, have, especially the city, though, has been controlled by Democrats for about 80 years. So the people in the city government aren't going to do anything about it. They can't. And the people aren't going to vote them out because if uh, Satan himself were running and promising to abort every baby that was produced in Western Pennsylvania, he'd get elected here. So yeah. they're not you're not throwing them out by voting them out. Not here. I don't know about other places. It ain't happening here. That's an unfortunate consequence of what we've seen is this radical transgenderization of the entire nation. We're seeing it come down from the top levels of government. Listen, we've always known the coastal elites were 100% all in on gender identity and the effect of trying to trans these kids as quickly as possible. But when we see it from the federal government and from the president, who himself on the first day of his swearing in signed an executive order essentially saying all federal agencies must reinterpret anti-discrimination law to mean gender identity when we see the term sex over a hundred federal laws and regulations were immediately upended. When we have that kind of trickle-down effect, it is not surprising that we see districts like Philadelphia who are suddenly taking into account the fact that they have an administration, a presidential administration, that's not going to sick the DOJ on them. At the highest levels of government, the U.S. attorneys are not going to worry about local prosecutors who aren't doing their jobs. They're going to just let it go unredressed. 
That makes for these individuals in blue progressive cities, makes their job very, very easy. They just have to turn a blind eye. And coincidentally, or not coincidentally, these are the same districts that have high crime rates and rogue prosecutors who are unwilling to prosecute crimes in their jurisdictions. The two ultimately go hand in hand. Yeah, here in Pittsburgh, um, they also... Uh, bragged about this being a sanctuary city for women who wanted an abortion if they lived in states where it was a little tough, you know, where it had become tougher to get one. Uh, They were encouraging them to come here. So I don't know if that's something that Pittsburgh people should be proud of, being a, a, um, you know, a a place to come, a a sanctuary for people who want to get an abortion or people who want to mutilate their kids. Um, Real quick, I only have about less than two minutes left. The courts that you are that are with these, where are these courts that these uh, bans are being upheld, and how many of them are the result of an earlier court decision being overturned? Well, we've got a couple of circuits that have already weighed in uh, the Sixth Circuit, the Eighth Circuit, the Eleventh Circuit. They've come down on different foundations. Some have argued in favor of states' rights, they've argued in favor of sort of caution and the interest that a state has in legislating on medical health, welfare, and vulnerable populations like minor children. And then other circuits have decided that they're going to open an entire can of worms and say, we're going to toss out the ban. We don't think that it is anything other than discrimination disguised as something else. And they've sent literally these cases back to the drawing board. We have 23 states that have enacted these medical bans coast to coast. Now that we have a circuit split between these three circuits, I would very, I'd be very surprised if we didn't see ultimately a challenge go up to the Supreme Court on a petition for review. Ultimately, the Supreme Court is going to have to weigh in and make a further clarifying statement on exactly how far a state's rights go when legislating on issues like this. Uh, thank you for being on the show, uh, Sarah Partial Perry. I'm out of time. Uh, you can find her piece at DailySignal.com. She's a senior legal fellow for the Heritage Foundation. Thanks for coming on. Hope to talk to you again, Sarah. Thanks for having me. We'll be back. You know, we have enough material every day that we could just call this show uh, Transgender Insanity. Um, just heard a little bit about it. Uh, just of our last guest, uh, Sarah Partial Perry, but there's a story here. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit here, but uh, there's new development in it. The story of a sorority in Wyoming, University of Wyoming, uh, Kappa Kappa Gamma, a six foot two, 220 pound, really ugly man decided that he wanted to be in that sorority and declared himself a woman. And so Somehow they let him in, okay? I always thought that a sorority or a fraternity was allowed to discriminate. You had rushes, then you had uh, pledges, and sometimes a pledge didn't make it through, and you didn't let him or her in, and it was a selective thing, and, you know, you hoped that they would accept you, and if, for whatever reason they don't, they don't, and you're out, and you go try another fraternity or sorority. Anyway, this Wyoming judge dismissed the lawsuit that was filed by members of the sorority They were trying to block this Artemis Langford guy uh, from joining the sorority, but they couldn't do it. But here's what happened. 
it's not it, you really can't blame the judge on this because he it seems to me he he ruled correctly because it's the national organization the kappa kappa gamma um hierarchy that whatever you call it the national headquarters they sided with allowing the fat man to be in the sorority um and the reason they did is because they don't define women the way you know regular human beings define women so the judge said look i based on the way that the sorority defines women that then then we we can't we can't tell this woman who we consider a woman because it's a, even though it's a man because he says he's a man uh this is what uh um this is what the attorney for this uh, creep who tried to get, who was in the sorority said. The allegations against Ms. Langford, Ms., he's a 6'2", 220-pound, fat, ugly man. The allegations against Mrs. Langford should never have made it into a legal filing. They are nothing more, here we go, than cruel rumors that mirror exactly the type of rumors used to vilify and dehumanize members of the LGBTQIA plus community for generations, and they are baseless. The uh, The rumors were that he was sco- uh, scoping the girls out when they were coming out of the shower, uh, even to the point where they said he was visibly aroused underneath his whatever he was wearing. <laughs> this, is, this is a sorority. They're trying to have a sorority. They just are a bunch of college girls. They want to have a sorority. Women, you know, they're college. You can call them college kids even. But they're young women, and but the thing is, uh, they the it's the it's the parent organization that that has come out and said uh, that this woman, this man, is recognized as a woman, and therefore he's not going to be kicked out. So that's that's what they have to deal with, and the judge had no choice. But the the. The Kappa Gamma Gamma, whatever it is, Kappa Kappa Gamma um, sorority said that we, uh, they, the the plaintiffs in this suit are defining a woman in a different way from the way we define a woman. We don't define a woman by the fact that, you know, she's a woman. If you're a man and you're six foot two, 200 pounds and really ugly, you can... Just declare that you're a woman and you're in. So that's what they have to deal with. So that the, the, the attorney's going to appeal it and all that. So just this is – and what do you think the political affiliation is? First of all, I don't know what the fat, ugly man's affiliation is. He might just be a moron or a pervert. But uh, the lawyer, you know, the lawyer's a Democrat. And you know if you would uh, talk to the average Democrat, uh, he or she would say, yeah. That makes sense to me. A sorority with a man in it. Okay? It's, this is what's happening at the University of Wyoming. It's a sorority that has a man in it. It's, is it I mean, how long has the concept of a sorority been around? The whole point of which, obviously, is to give women a place to go and not be bothered by men. So not only is this man in the sorority, which completely defeats the whole purpose concept, everything of a sorority, he, he's scoping them out when they're coming out of the shower. You know, he's, and he sits in a chair. They said he sits in a chair and just stares at them. 
the guy's a pervert. And it, what's preventing some uh, college guy at the University of Wyoming, he doesn't even have to put lipstick on or anything, just walk in in regular men's clothing and looking like a man and say, yep, my name's Susie, and I'd like to join your sorority. Well, wait, you're a man. No, I'm not. Well, wait, you, you have a beard and you're wearing, like, men's clothes? What do you mean? My name's Susie. I want in. And let me show me to where the showers are. I, I want a room near, near. I mean, it's just insanity. And all perpetrated by Democrats. And speaking of Democrats, I got a couple of minutes here. This, this, this is tremendous. I told you yesterday about the idiot who's the mayor over there, Brandon Johnson. They're, the car thefts are up like 100%. So he's suing Kia and Hyundai for um, not making cars that are difficult enough to steal. In other words, that you know, it's the car it's the car maker's fault that people can't park their cars in the street without having them being stolen. So here's a story. Um, there was uh, a um, a, re- a a reporter and a photographer were out last night working for Univision Chicago, and um, it's actually early yesterday morning, like five o'clock in the morning, in the twelve hundred block of North Milwaukee Avenue. <laughs> These guys worked for Univision Chicago. Okay, it's a photographer and a, and a reporter. They were robbed. They were out there doing a story on, are you ready, armed robberies. While they were doing the story, they were robbed by three men. Nobody was hurt. So three men wearing ski masks got out of two cars, approached them uh, displaying firearms, according to the uh, Univision Chicago. They demanded money from the two men, and then they went through their SUV and stole a camera, (laughs) two bags containing equipment, and a backpack belonging to the photographer. That's according to the station. And so they were reporting on a string of armed robberies across the city, and they were armed robbed by <laughs> three guys in ski masks. And it, uh, they were also reporting on uh, a carjacking of a woman. But here's the best part. Monday's robbery was the second this month of a Chicago TV news crew. An ABC7 photographer was assaulted and robbed while covering a news conference August 8th in the 2800 block of West 5th Avenue. Chicago, my kind of town. Keep electing those Democrats. You deserve everything you're getting. Talk to you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.